0: Good morning everybody. It is Wednesday 6th of October and our market just doesn't quite know what to do today. Up 15 points. It was down 30 yesterday. Actually we had quite a good day yesterday. We were down 76 at one point and then the RBA chipped in with some fairly optimistic commentary about the economy and how we would return to our pre-Delta trajectory in the second half of next year, and everything bounced a little bit with relief. They left interest rates unchanged. They tapered the bond-buying program by $1 a month last month, and they are going to revisit that idea in February, all as expected. But a generally positive tone. But of course, the RBA are the mouse on the elephant's back. They are not really driving the global economy at all. That is done out of the U.S. And overnight in the U.S., the Dow Jones up 312. That is the fourth and the S&P 500 up 1.05%. NASDAQ up 1.25%. That is the fourth 1% move on the S&P 500 in four days. And as I've mentioned over the last couple of days, we've seen 500-point moves, five of them I think now on the SM, on the Dow Jones sorry over the last ten days or so. The volatility seems to have picked up, but I put a chart of the VIX volatility index in the Marcus today, no, the pre market section today. And you can see it trending up, but it hasn't exactly spiked up. We want to worry if it spikes. It hasn't really spiked. It's just quietly trending higher. And in fact, was down 7% overnight. So that sort of suggests it's all pretty calm in the farm, in the derivatives market in the US. Not too much to worry about. Our futures this morning were up 36, so up 17 is halfway there. The banks are down today. The main story perhaps today, and a theme you should probably take on board, is that the housing market, which has been up 20% in the last 12 months, seems to be topping out a little bit. I saw a chart over the last few days of the growth in house prices from CoreLogic. The growth in house prices is coming off the top now, so they're growing less slowly, if that makes sense still going up. But today you've got APRA acting on something Josh Frydenberg was talking about a week or so ago about the concerns for household debt versus income and the need to rein in the property market. And APRA are doing that today. They've written a letter to banks telling them to raise what's called the serviceability buffer from 2.5% to 3.0%. What this means is, or what that buffer is, is they, or a lending institution, adds that buffer to whatever the loan rate is or the mortgage rate is, and then assesses the borrower's ability to borrow at that higher rate than the actual rate by adding that buffer. So they're adding half a percent to the buffer, and by all accounts, that will lower the average borrowing ability especially amongst new home buyers by around five percent so it's just taking a bit of steam out of credit growth but it's also putting a bit of a marker down that treasury and apra and the rba are beginning to think the housing market's done well enough for the moment and they need to just curb credit growth a little bit lest it creates problems in the future On the back of that, you might expect the whole housing market complex. And in the market map, you'll see we have got a box called Housing, which includes all the major banks, REA, some of the REITs, DHG, Domain Holdings, GMA, which is Mortgage Insurance, GWA, REIS, all sorts of stocks that are exposed to the housing market one way or another. But the most obvious sector is the bank sector and today you'll see that a couple of brokers i've written that up in the markers today section a couple of brokers have downgraded their recommendations on the cba not aggressively downgrading to hold recommendations and after the share price rise i think the nab no sorry the cba now is 12 percent above its pre-pandemic peak which has outperformed the market it's still in a solid solid sort of long-term uptrend or since post-pandemic uptrend, put it that way, it's not a long-term uptrend, but it's been going sideways for the last three or four months. And that sounds like the right sort of trend for the banks at the moment, which have performed very well. CBA is trading well above what the brokers seem to think it's worth. I've put the broker research in there today. The average broker target price is 12% below the current share price. And the recommendations are hold underweight, reduce underperform, downgrade to sell and downgrade to underperform. So everyone thinks the CBA is overvalued. They always do think that, by the way, relative to the other banks. But the CBA continues to command a P.E. premium, always has, always will. And the brokers don't seem to take account of it. Anyway, it is the season to be telling or as a broker getting on the phones, And telling clients that now is the time to switch out of the CBA, which had results and went ex-dividend over the last couple of months, out of the CBA into the other major banks which have results coming up. I'll do the calendar for you soon. But the ANZ has results on the 28th of October, so three weeks away. The NAB have results on the 9th of November, And Westpac have results on the 1st of November. So dividends are coming up. Results and dividends are coming up. With the housing market going the way it's gone in the last six months, the results should logically be good. We should continue to see the normalization of dividends. So... This is a good time for brokers to be getting on the phone saying sell CBA, buy the other banks ahead of their results and dividends. Standard stuff, easy commissions. Bottom line, I wouldn't worry too much about the CBA. Yes, it's going sideways. Yes, the other banks have dividends coming up, but there's nothing terribly wrong. Even if the housing market does peak, they're not stocks you trade anyway. The trading range is not not big enough. But if you happen to see CBA flop around for the next couple of months, you'll know why. The CBA, by the way, yields 5.4%, including franking at the moment. That's on current forecasts. The NAB yields 6.3%. ANZ 7.1%. And Westpac 6.3%. Anyway, food for thought if you're chasing dividends... Now's the time to look at the other three major banks and probably not the CBA. Right, other quick stuff. You probably saw Facebook having fallen 5%, bounced back 2% overnight. That sort of outage issue is always going to be very, very short term. There are concerns about Fantasia, this second big Chinese property developer, missing a bond payment in the wake of Evergrande. Both those share prices haven't traded since last week. The Hang Seng is trading. They do trade on the Hang Seng, but it looks like some of the Chinese stocks are not trading, possibly until the Chinese market comes back on Friday. APT dropped short of 5% yesterday. It's recovered all that today. On the back of the Square Inc. share price, which jumped 4.3% overnight, APT is now at the the lowest price it's been or at a price below where it was when the Square Inc. merger was announced. Clearly, if we are going to worry about interest rates, then tech stocks are not the place to be. Noticeably as well, Appen just hit a three-year low down 5% yesterday. And the All Tech Index has now lost all its gains this year from the recent top To the recent bottom is a fall of about 9.6% in about 10 days. Netflix, you might have seen up 5.6% overnight. Apparently, I'm sure it's a combination of factors, but have a look at the share price. It's hitting all-time highs. And the Squid Games series, which I finished watching with Emma last night, is the reason for it doing so well, apparently. If you do happen to watch Squid Games, if you can get through the first half hour, which is atrociously bad, especially if you listen to the English dubbing, then you'll suddenly realize what it's about and you'll be watching it possibly till the end, as we did. But the first half an hour or so is just balls breaking. Anyway, EM Vision, EMV, this is a stock Henry's written about. This is the company that is producing A brain scanner device for all ambulances could be global. They've applied to the FDA for a breakthrough device application. They got knocked back overnight. Interestingly, the share price rallied 17% in the three days ahead of the announcement. People obviously knew the announcement was coming up, which is nothing wrong with that. It'll be on the time frame. I haven't been watching EMV close enough. And it's fallen 14% since since they got their knockback. The faithful will see this as a buying opportunity. Worth looking at the EMV website sometimes, seeing what they're doing. Getting a knockback on a breakthrough device application is not terminal at all. They were just trying to take a shortcut there. And if it's anything like my trademark application to IP Australia, Unless you dot your eyes and cross your Ts, you get knocked back, knocked back, knocked back, and then eventually approved. So they're in that process still. Baby Bunting (BBN) got upgraded to ad by Morgan's. It's up 4.8% today. CSL got an upgrade from Jefferies, which is a US broker. Magellan Financial Group tanked again today. They've lost more funds under management. Retail Fum down 4.9% in September. 23% of that was redemptions. And they also lost 3.6% of their institutional money, which they blame on clients rebalancing. Three major clients rebalancing. Anyway, at some point, that will resurrect. Again, brokers are behind the eight ball. Any stock that falls a lot, then broker target price, if they don't get updated, make the stock look cheap. So the average target price at the moment is 29.4% above the current share price. Let's see what the research says after people, after analysts have taken today's news into account and republished their research tomorrow. I imagine there'll be some target price downgrades. Travel stocks doing terribly today. Flight centre down 4.3%, webjet down 3.9%, 1,420 new COVID cases in Victoria. I wonder whether that's the problem. AGL, another broker upgraded today, Morgan Stanley. Again, this doesn't seem to want to turn the corner, but the average target price is 20.7% above the current share price, and energy prices are flying. The natural gas price was up 9% overnight to a 12-year high. That whole energy complex continues to run. I'm sure it'll peak out soon, but running for the moment. Morgan Stanley also upgraded their recommendation, Origin Energy. And there's talk. And that's actually, this is probably why the travel sector's down. There's talk of Qantas in the Australian, Qantas considering capital raising, which would detract from the dollars in the tech sector in other stocks as well. All right, Tom has put the most shorted stocks section, as he does every Wednesday, in the, in the Marcus Today section today. Most shorted stocks continue to be Flight Center, Webjet, Kogan, Zip, EOS, Miso, Blast. Have a look at the section. We also, by the way, have a very comprehensive article about shorting Always in that section. If you don't know what shorting is, you might have a read of that. I think there's a vote on the debt ceiling tonight. Janet Yellen making noises about a possible recession if they don't get that sorted out. Anyone who's been around the stock market for a while will know that the US periodically has to renegotiate its debt ceiling. It always gets there, but there's this game of brinkmanship uh, running into the decision to raise the debt ceiling. Politicians looking for favors always gets done in the end. So this worry about a possible recession is just part of the scaremongering process. That's about it. Coming up this week, Friday, eyes are on the US jobs numbers. The hors d'oeuvre is the US ADP employment number tonight, which is the private sector jobs number. US and China are having high-level talks this week, apparently. Part of the promise, despite some strategic disagreements over the South Pacific Sea or the South China Sea, is that they keep open communication going, and this is part of the process. We're rolling into the US third quarter results season. Some brokers have written some quite upbeat pre-results reports on US tech stocks ahead of these results. So it's probably results in the current environment have generally been Pretty positive for the market. So we've got that to look forward to. That's about it. Market quite, can't quite make up its mind. Volatility's in. We've had a bit of a, not sure you call it a correction, a correction is supposed to be 10%. We've had a sort of 7% has been the biggest drop, and that's been in the NASDAQ. So we've had a bit of a cool down. No more than that at the moment. And as I wrote in the strategy piece yesterday, most of the reasons for the recent sell-off seem to be routine. The only one that's not routine is Evergrande. If that blew up, it wouldn't be good. But for the moment, all the other reasons, interest rates going up tapering, economic slowdown, debt ceiling negotiations, delayed infrastructure bill, stock market prices, valuations historically high, tax increases coming in the US, iron ore price fall, China growth slowdown. When you want to be glass half empty, the reasons just cascade out of every commentator's mouth as they just did out of mind, But the reality is, it's a bit of a herd thing. And the herd seems reasonably calm today, if a little confused. I wouldn't be buying anything with any conviction at the moment. Trend is still down in the short term. We might have seen a big pivot point. We're holding up trend support on the US market and our market. No significant technical break yet. So no real need to act fast And for those of us who are active and those of us who are out of the market looking for the opportunity to buy, there's not enough evidence that things have bottomed either. No man's land. As I leave you, Dow futures giving us nothing, down 31, our market down 9, having been up 23. It really is the lull after the storm or before the storm or during the storm. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.